Okay, for our message now would be brought to us by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled Between Now and the Feast, and he will be speaking now. Okay, I'll start all over. Good afternoon. <laughs> Between now and the feast. Let's see, I think. There we go. There's the, there's the handouts there. Okay, we have seen that the uh, Feast of Trumpets is a memorial of the past blowing of trumpets as we heard in the sermon given on the day of trumpets by Steve. And uh, we learned that these things, that those things uh, from the Feast of Trumpets tells us that they, uh, the trumpets were used to sound out a warning and to call the children of Israel out of bondage from Egypt. It was used also to call an assembly or a call to battle and also to announce the year of the Jubilee, the great trumpet, and the great year of Jubilee. Now we also know that the Feast of Trumpets, that just like any of the other holy days, have a, a prophetic view of what's ahead. That's what's going to get the attention of the whole world when those trumpets are blown, those seven trumpets that were mentioned in the book of Revelation. So we know that trumpets are going to sound out an alarm and it's going to announce for those that are uh, know about it that it is going to be uh, that the end of the age has come and that it is a foretelling of the return of Jesus Christ to this earth when he intervenes into the affairs of mankind to stop all of the bad things the terrible things that are going on in this world and to keep it from self-destruction it is also a time which gives us a hope that when the dead in Christ hear that trumpet, that trumpet sound, it'll be calling them to life everlasting. So we've left behind the, the Feast of Trumpets, that holy day, which is going to point forward to those feasts that are coming, the Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. In Matthew 24 and in uh, verse 31, about this life everlasting. In verse 31 it says that he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. A great sound of a trumpet. And these angels, they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. In 1 Corinthians 15, 52 We, you know, uh, that's the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians uh, 52. Somewhere here in, in the New Testament, it's in the Old. I hardly ever, you know, thumb through the Bible when I prepare a sermon because I've got it all written down beforehand. And... I've kind of lost my place here. There it is. 
a great discovery. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the resurrection chapter. And we don't hardly need to be reminded of this, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 52, I think it is. I think it's, I think it's right. Yeah, here we go. That behold, said Paul, I show you a mystery. You think about a mystery, we know that it is something that is puzzling, that's something that we don't know how or where or what, but it's a, a mystery. But it's a mystery that we shall not all sleep. You know, sleep is just another term that Christ used and Paul used for uh, death. But we shall all be changed. That includes every one of us here. That we are going to be changed at that trumpet. So we know that when those angels take us at the sound of a trumpet. And to gather the elect from the four corners of the globe. Now in 1 Thessalonians, do I have that up there? Okay, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven and with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So the dead in Christ are going to rise first. So we know that at this time in this world, we have yet to really experience what uh, the enemies of God, the enemies of the nation can really mete out. In that time to come, we're going to see that time if we are alive at that time. But they will be undergoing a time such as never was in the history of man. Now the opening verses to the book of Revelation, chapter 1, it says... That these trumpets that we, you know, uh, feast of trumpets and the trumpet sounds, uh, they warn of events that are to come. And in verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, he that reads, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. To remember those things that are written therein. And it says, For the time is at hand. That time is now. That time is at hand. So there was an urgency to, the, to, the, to that statement. The time is at hand. To speak about the time is at hand now today kind of leaves you in a way guessing. Is it tomorrow? Is it tonight? Uh, how urgent is that? But we are blessed because of the holy days. They remind us of things that are, that are going to come. And so we're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel through those dark days that will come if we are alive at that time of the tribulation. And those trumpet plagues. We know are going to happen in order. And in a sequence. And so we will remember. That way they were foretold. By Christ. And so by that we will know. That the Lord. That the eternal is in control. Of every step. Along the way. When those days of tribulation. Come. So he has set in advance. The sequence of events that are to come so the holy days they lay out the plan of salvation as we have studied and seen them and we have a charted course before us but we have to read the book we have to know the uh, map so to speak the journey that uh, I think was mentioned that we that we take in this life the holy days lead in that direction 
and to the gathering of the saints, which culminate with the, the last great day and also the Feast for Tabernacles. So between now and then, however, comes the Day of Atonement, a solemn holy day, which represents a cleansing from sin, forgiveness, and redemption of the world, the nations at large. And there will come a restoration of all things when the world is at one with, with God. In Luke chapter 21, knowing those things in advance, knowing the things that Christ has revealed to us through the, through the word, it says in verse 34, but take heed, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, you know, just in excess of wanting more and more, never really satisfied with, you know, with stuff uh, they may already have. And drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unaware. So it's possible that all of these things that we read about, have studied about, is going to happen and will take us by surprise if we are overcharged with these things that are mentioned here in verse 34. Verse 35, because as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. So it says, what, watch you therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things. All these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Salvation is serious. And we know uh, scripture says to not neglect so great a salvation. We have to be prepared. Stay close to the Father and, and, and to the Son, Jesus Christ, between now and then. Because it's going to be a long journey. A journey that, you know, starts as soon as we uh, go outside uh, the, this church building and into uh, our lives. That step, those steps begin. Now in Philippians. Let's see chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 18. Begin with verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. And mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. In a lot of ways, each and every one of us are examples. And some people can take encouragement from that. And some people can scratch their head and, you know, wonder. Am I seeing the right example? Verse 18. For many walk. Of whom I have told you often. And now tell you even weeping. That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. And whose glory is in their shame. Who mind earthly things. Continue on verse 20. For our conversation. Is in heaven. From whence we also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, 
according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So salvation is serious. And these uh, words are words of encouragement and also words of caution. That we should pay attention. That we don't neglect salvation. But stay close to God by watching and praying. But in the meantime. Matthew 24. Beginning verse 11. It says that many false prophets. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. You know this is, this is pretty commonplace. Now you can uh, look on TV and see and see some of the messages, some of the gospel that's being preached and, and you wonder, are they really telling the truth according to the word of God? But inwardly, they all look good, but inwardly they are ravening, that is voracious, hungry wolves. And you know that a wolf is a predator preying upon the innocent, the weak. Verse 12, and because iniquity, that is you know, lawlessness, shall abound the love of many, shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So it's going to take endurance. And endurance, you know, uh, uh, just stimulates patience. Uh, sometimes you've got to wait a long time. Trials are going to come. But verse 14, but this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. So when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by uh, Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever reads, whoso reads, let him understand. So those things are going to come. And we from uh, the study of the scriptures. It will help us to know. That let's go back to the Bible. Let's go study the word again. Let's go see what things are, uh, are presenting themselves. But like I say some of us. Won't be around at that time. But our youngsters. Our young people will. So the whole world. That is those who are living at that time. Will see. All of this begin to happen. But no one. As some teach. No one is going to leave. This earth lift off from this planet. In a so called rapture. Which is a false hope. And. This rapture. Those who preach the rapture. They say it's going to come in two phases. The first phase. Is the secret stealing away. Of the saints off to heaven. And that just before. The tribulation. Then the second phase. Is when the dead are raised. And the clouds are rolled back. And every eye. Shall see him. So Christ's second coming. Which is referred to as the. Parousia. Or parousia is in one phase. But. We read that it is going to be both visible and audible at the same time. Jesus gave the, the signs uh, that we are to look for. He told us to look for you know, things like, uh, you, you go to this in Matthew 24, about earthquakes, about false uh, prophets, about famines, about disease, things of that sort. But we also see in verse 24, uh, Matthew 24, chapter 22, 
When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, and we know that at that time that is coming, and except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So we have that promise. We have that assurance that the elect won't have to wait all that long, but if they do, they know that Christ is going to return and intervene. Cut short those days when this whole planet will go up, so to speak, in, uh, in smoke. So Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning comes out of the east, so that's visible, that's the sun, and shines even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So just as the sun rises in the east, and it goes and sets in the west, that's the way the uh, resurrection of, of the dead are going to be. Somehow, a mystery that's going to happen at that time. Matthew 24, 31. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. And that's why in the salvation that we, we uh, refer to in the Bible, this is what we don't want to be left out of. That great salvation that, that is to come. 1 Corinthians chapter. Uh, oh let me, let me finish this one on, on the rapture. We know that it's going to be visible. And it's going to be audible. Because they're going to hear the sound of the trumpet. And they're going to see that day. Uh, Christ coming. In the east. Like the rising sun. So a rapture would have the living go before the dead in Christ. And that's out of order. That's not in the sequence that is spoken of in uh, the word of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse uh, 50. Now this, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So if someone is raptured at that time, they're still flesh and blood. And it's before uh, the dead are resurrected. The dead in Christ are resurrected. So that would be out of order. And so what we see in this rapture of belief is basically uh, just uh, something that is not going to occur. And it's going to be uh, false hope. So the second coming of Christ is going to be an audible return in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed so the dead shall rise first and then the living every man it says in his own order but this could not be true if in the rapture the living precede the dead so a rapture would have the living and I'm probably uh, repeating myself here. Lift off to heaven. Before the dead. Who are to rise first. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom. They must be changed from. Uh, mortal to immortal. And if they. Are immortal. Changed to immortal. You know why, why a rapture. So we are blessed because. There is a light of hope at the end of the tunnel. Past the tribulation that is to come. That the Lord eternal is in control of every step uh, that goes along the way. 
Today when we see or hear of horrible crimes and troubles that are plaguing society today and, and uh, nations around the world, when we see hatred and injustice and violence and stealing, all sorts of things that cause pain and sorrow and death, we know we wonder why and we just can't wait for changes to come. And we ask, well, why are all these things? Why does God allow these things? He allows them because there's no fear of God in the land. If there were a fear of God in the land, people would be afraid to commit these things because they know salvation hinges on how they respond to God's word and whether they obey his word or not. Back in the, <coughs> the 70s, back in the day, when uh, we first came into uh, what we call the church or the truth, my wife and I, uh, used to hear uh, a lot of the uh, old timers that were getting ready to go to the feast, get prepared to go to the feast. Uh, in, in anticipation, I would hear, hear some of them say, uh, I'm looking forward to the strong meat because you know, there would be different ministers from different places and they would present strong meat meat so uh, I was wondering what kind of spiritual food that would be and sometimes you didn't hear the strong meat like you expected it to but people were in anticipation of strong meat at the, the feast but this strong meat hopefully would get people ready to make the right decisions in their life and at one time uh, some of you that have been around the church a long time back in 1972 uh, we thought in 1974, we thought, well, you know, this is the last feast and we're going to be, we're going to have, uh, the flight is going to take place. And so some were really eager for that flight to take place, which it never did. So you have to be prepared at any time. You have to be prepared even though it might come late. It might come fast. We don't know. But preparation is certainly the key. So there is an attitude that uh, we have to have. And there's an attitude uh, of, you know, opening our hearts and our minds to the word of God and the things that are going on that we know of by watching and praying. And there's also an attitude in which people just, you know, close their ears. They shut out the ways of Christ, his teachings and the laws of God. And so the prophet Isaiah wrote about that attitude. And we can call it the no God attitude. It's like don't mention the Bible in uh, or his word, or Jesus, or God, in any conversation. No God. That's the attitude. Isaiah chapter 30, verse uh, 8. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said. Those of us, you who've been in the church many years, have had this read. Begin with verse 9. This is a rebellious people. This is a rebellious people. Lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord. You know, the laws of our nation, they are based upon God's laws, the Ten Commandments, and so on. And verse 10, which say to the seers, see not. Uh, you know, a seer is one who, who beholds a vision, who foresees what is or what's going, uh, what may lie ahead. And to the prophets, and that's the preachers and that's the teachers, uh, who prophesy. And they're saying. Prophesy or speak not. <clears throat> unto us right things. Speak unto us. 
smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Things, you know, things that are not true. Like everything is fine and, and dandy. And that everything is going to be fine. And they say get you out of the way. Turn aside out of the path. Cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. So they don't want to hear any mention of God. They want to leave him out. Leave him out of the conversation. Or out of the gathering. And so on. And that's the attitude. Verse 12. Wherefore thus saith the Lord. The Holy One of Israel. Because you despise this word. And trust in oppression and perverseness. And stay therein. Or thereon. You know, they just keep at it. Nothing's changing their mind or their attitude. Therefore, this iniquity, this evil, this wickedness shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. They see the swelling uh, of the place in Broken Arrow. There's a wall that I think holds back this hill where these water towers sit. And about five, six years ago when... Uh, we moved up here, uh, we noticed that there was a bulge in the wall. And you could tell by it, well, that's going to break someday. And, and uh, I don't think it did, but they got, they prepared, prepared it before it ever did. And I think they're also rewalling that uh, uh, place there. But if you look around at society, you know, there is a, a swelling, a breach, uh, something that's going to give. We just don't know when or how and nothing is being really done in our society to really change the attitude. But it's like a swelling out in a high wall whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. And it's like uh, elsewhere in scripture where it says peace and safety and then sudden destruction. So <clears throat> take this that description of this wall and one can see how it describes a pending collapse of our society. Due to a no God attitude. But not all are in that frame of mind. But we know that because the love of many shall wax cold. That love toward God and fellow man. Will wane. And lawlessness will spread. So Isaiah was seeking to warn the people. But they were in a no God attitude. To hear the message. They didn't want to hear. They didn't want to listen and as long as things didn't affect them directly, they had little or no concern. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, the vision of, of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me taught them good things gave them the way to go gave them hope gave them encouragement yet but yet they rebelled the ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib but Israel does not know my people do not consider all sinful nation a people laden with iniquity a seed of evildoers children that are corruptors they have forsaken the Lord they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They, have, they are gone away backward. They have backslidden from all the teachings and away from the word of God. Then we have Ezekiel who prophesied this. And he said unto me, verse 1 of chapter 2. 
he said unto me that uh, 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 son of man he said son of man stand upon your feet and I will speak unto you and the spirit entered into me when he spoke unto me and set me upon my feet that I heard him that spoke unto me and he said unto me son of man I send you to the children of Israel to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me they and their fathers have transgressed against me even unto this very day for they are impudent children they're dis disrespectful children and stiff hearted I do not send you unto them and ye shall say <clears throat> unto them thus saith the Lord God and they whether they will hear or whether they will forbear for they are a rebellious house yet shall know that there has been a prophet among them somewhere along the line they will remember sayings of the preacher of the prophet or even the word of God as they have read it before they will remember that there has been a prophet uh, among them and you son of man don't be afraid of them neither be afraid of their works though briars and thorns be with you and you do well among scorpions be not afraid of their words nor be dismayed in their looks though they be a rebellious house and you shall speak my words unto them whether they will hear or whether they will forbear for they are most rebellious you might be speaking to someone about the word of God telling them things that are going to happen telling why they may need to change their attitude but because there's rebellion in their heart they may not be listening they have their own uh, course set before them and you shall speak my words unto them whether they will hear or whether they will forbear they are most rebellious but you son of man Hear what I say unto you. Be not you rebellious. Like that rebellious house. Open your mouth. And eat this or that I give you. And when I looked. Behold a hand was set, sent unto me. And lo a roll. Of a book was therein. And he spread it before me. And it was written within and without. And there was written therein. Written therein lamentation. And mourning and woe. So what's ahead. Knowing those things that are described here means that we should be prepared to get, you know, life in order, watch and pray, so that we may be accounted worthy to escape these things that are going to come to pass. A change in attitude. So after that day of trumpet was passed, we know that uh, the day of atonement comes, the expiation. The Lord said unto Moses in Leviticus 23, 26. And the Lord spoke unto Moses saying. Also on the 10th day. And uh, this will be uh, no doubt brought up again. But we're looking toward that day. Also on the 10th of this 7th month. There shall be a day of atonement. It shall be in a holy convocation unto you. And ye shall afflict your souls. And offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work. In that same day. For it is a day of atonement. And make an atonement for you. Before the Lord your God. Atonement is a word that means expiation. <clears throat> which means to atone for guilt. Or, or atone for sin. Which we see as being made. At time of that day. Being made at one with God. Verse 29. For who, whatsoever soul it be. That shall not be afflicted. In that same day. He shall be cut off. From among the people. And whatsoever soul it be that does any work in that same day. 
uh, the same soul will I destroy from among the people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generation in all your dwellings. And it shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. And you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month. And even from even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. So uh, there is anticipation toward this day. Toward the day of atonement and what it will bring. And in a way we get ready for it by thinking about what it means. You can read over in Leviticus 16 as to what it entails and what it means. But from even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath, this, this day of atonement. So how do we celebrate this, this Sabbath, this feast of atonement? We may wonder because celebration seems, you know, celebrating, you know, you're not doing with food or drink on that day. But by afflicting our soul, by fasting, denying our fleshly body the food and the, and the drink that it craves, we do without. But we know that to celebrate means to, to enjoy something. But it's not easy. Because we all go through those withdrawal symptoms. And discomfort as we wait for the day to pass. But why does the eternal. Why does God want us. Want his people to fast. There are a lot who think the atonement is one of those days. That. Is just foolish, not necessary. That it's that it's done done away, and so what celebration or delight is there to be found in it? But fasting is a means to show sincerity. God knows when we afflict our souls that our, and He knows that when we afflict our souls or fast, He knows that our desire is strong and focused, and the benefits of which are just just spiritual things, mind over body, and going in the strength of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is in us. So atonement is just one day to fast, but we know uh, for some it's hard, but uh, remember Jesus said, he said we should fast because he said when you fast over in Matthew 6, 17, when you fast, I won't uh, read those, but I want to go ahead and uh, go on down to Isaiah chapter 58. The real meaning of fasting. Verse 1. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up your voice. Like a trumpet. And show my people. Their transgressions. And the house of Jacob. Their sins. You know, sometimes I pray. That God will raise up. Servants. To do. These things. And sometimes we feel like. Well you know. This is. In the hands of those. That have the big corporate offices. Those that have the big. The big money. Those that can Somehow. Uh, get around the world to almost every nation but this is what must come to pass first this uh, crying aloud showing people their transgression verse 2 yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God they ask of me the ordinances of justice they take delight in approaching to God you know they'll come Maybe to one of these big rallies. These big uh, uh, events. Where there is a lot of strong meat. Or preaching being done. They say well hey we, we're good people. We go to church. We believe in the ten commandments. But we know sometimes it says. Uh, it said that their heart is far. From me. But verse 3. 
They say, wherefore have we fasted, they say, and you see not. Wherefore have we afflicted? Why have we afflicted our soul and you take no knowledge? Do you really need to see us fast to afflict our souls? And here's what the Lord said. Behold the day of your fast. You find pleasure and exact all your labors. You keep doing those things, those things to meet your own desires. Behold you fast for strife. That's not what you do. You don't fast for strife. You fast for debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day. To make your voice to be heard on high. So you know fasting. You know, one of those sincere approaches. To make your voice heard on, on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush. And to spread sackcloth and ashes under him. Will you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not the, this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free. That, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry? And, you, and that you bring the poor that are cast out to your house. When you see the naked and you cover him. And that you hide not yourself from your own flesh. So those are the attitudes that sometimes takes a lifetime and experience to, to develop. But when that day comes, the atonement, these holy days that are before us, when those days comes, these are some of the things we ask ourselves so that we may do them while there is yet time whatever years we have to do them, to do those things that are pleasing in the sight of the Lord. We also know that the Lamb of God that was slain has redeemed us, paying our ransom, covering our sins, our shortfalls, our weaknesses by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as knowing that as long as we are in the flesh, we're going to need uh, Jesus Christ because we're subject to corruption. We're subject to ruin. We're subject to go astray every now and, but, now and then. But we have Jesus Christ as our high priest who makes atonement for us and is our intercessory uh, priest. Because we know that all have sinned. And one other thing <coughs> we may celebrate and take joy in on that day is that it brings to us, brings to our life a hope and a promise. Verse 8 then shall your light bring break forth as the morning. And your health shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your reward. Then you shall call and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry and he shall say here I am. If you take away from the midst of you the yoke. The putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. And if you draw out your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then shall your light rise in obscurity and your darkness be as a noonday. And the Lord shall guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and make fat your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. I'll leave Joel. Let's see. I might can turn to Joel. Try to get done by in the next five minutes. 
Let's look at Joel chapter uh, 1. It says in verse 13. Let's start with verse 12. Therefore also now, says the Lord, turn you even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repents him of the evil. Who knows if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him. Even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a, a solemn assembly. So we see there are things that we do in preparation for the days that are to come. Between now and, and the coming of those feasts. Verse 12. And they shall be. Uh, they shall build the uh, old waste places. So there's going to be some waste places, ancient cities, some in ruins now and some will be in the future. They will build those old waste places. And you shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwelling. So those are you know, some of the future things that all these holy days point to and why we have this purpose in life. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath. From doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy of the Lord. Honorable and shall honor him. Not doing your own ways. Nor finding your own pleasure. Nor speaking your own word. And we're speaking here. In the, the scripture is in the context uh, of fasting. Which would, would apply to the day of atonement. Then shall you delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. And feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So we know that judgment begins with the house of God. We know that in the future the earth is going to be cleaned up. When Christ is there in Jerusalem. The holy people will be cleansed. The holy place. The holy site will be cleansed. Everything will be restored and made holy by the presence of the Lord. And Jerusalem will become that holy city that it is meant to be. A holy city with holy people in it. Those who keep the commandments of God and those who observe the holy days and what they mean for us in the future. So with these uh, verses, hopefully uh, you've found some way to prepare for them like the first message. You know, there are a lot of ways to prepare for the feasts that are coming up. But it's the right attitude that we need to get into before we face the, uh, the atonement, a day to delight in, and look forward to, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles. I'm pretty much surprised how, you know, time passes, and before you know it, uh, you think, well, it's a long way off, but then it's only a few weeks off now. So, that's the sermon. I hope, uh, hope it was helpful. <laughs>